dude, this guy. Oh, like fuck. totes neck beard. <laughs> then he went on his MySpace and said, "Arrest him. He's a douche." <laughs> oh. All right, want to start? Let's start. Let's do it. Hello, hello, and welcome to Sister X. Hello, there. the true crime podcast where we discuss murder. Mayhem. And, and madness. madness. Rose, is there madness? I'm impatient. I need to know if there's madness. Well, we are here, so. <gasps> Shit. Uh, we also talk about whatever we feel like. I'm Rose, and I'm joined by my lovely sister, Stephanie. Hi. On this show, we are going to talk about the worst people ever. Like, literally the worst. If you haven't caught up so far, just go recap uh, our previous list of worst people ever. They're only going to get worse, too. Um, There are times when we'll laugh and giggle, but please understand it is not out of disrespect for the victims. It is out of disrespect for the assholes who decided they have the right to take another person's life, money, or dignity. Yeah, more or less. Like, we're not siding with with the, the evil here. Yeah. We do not condone murder or even violence against others. We are peaceful people, but we just like to talk about terrible yeah. things. Um, the main goal for the show is so Stephanie and I can talk about topics that fascinate us without terrifying our spouses and coworkers. Which is valid. And if you Rubes want to listen, then that's awesome. And we appreciate you. Join us, Rubes. <laughs> um, before we get started, I want to ask you a question, Stephanie. Yes. I'm going to ask mm. you a question. You're going to ask, get it, get it, ask get it. me a question. One's what? a question and one's murder. Ha! <laughs> 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 From the background. <laughs> What got you into true crime? So I just remember as far as like being like growing up and being little and stuff, my mom would just like watch Law and Order and like watch like all these like old true crime things. And that's, I mean, that's like our little bonding thing. We'd watch TV. So I was always super into those. And even at a young age, watching like all the Law and Order, all these shows. So that's, that's about it. I just, it's, I've never lost that interest and I like knowing, like, but what makes this person tick? Like, what drives this person to do, like, the most fucked up things ever? Yeah, the psychological bit. Yeah. Mine's actually really similar to that, because I used to watch Law & Order with my grandpa. So he lived with me and my dad, and that was our little bonding thing. And I yeah. remember thinking, why does somebody die at the beginning of every episode? I didn't understand that it was a show about murder. Yeah, you were just like, this just, is like, a bummer. <laughs> I just, like, third episode, and I'm like... And somebody's dead again. Oh my gosh, this show. This show, I'm really (laughs) fond of that bump bump noise. (laughs) But I got hooked from there and. I, there are some shows that are like crime dramas that are on TV that are a little too much. Mm hmm. Um, I, I remember watching CSI and I started watching Criminal Minds a few years ago and Bones and I really liked those. Criminal Minds I really liked because it got into that psychological thing. Mm hmm. And then, though, because I wanted to know more about what they were talking about, looking into the stories that they referred to and stuff. Yeah, well, that's the thing about actually doing the research and, like, deep diving into actual stories that happened is that this is you have things to back this up it's not like there's an episode of CSI and a rat came out of the yeah. hooker's face or whatever you know it's not necessarily realistic they overplay it because it's on TV to get people to watch yeah yeah. so like actually saying like when you're reading something that's fantastical and you're like what the shit like this is real like, really delusions <laughs> of grandeur to the fullest yeah but it, that's what's so fascinating about it like what makes these people tick what happened in their life that set everybody off or set you in this one direction. Yeah, definitely. No, I I love that part about true crime. And it's also very much like people have been obsessed with true crime since the beginning of time, like wanting to know what happened. Yeah, just curious. Yeah, it's curiosity. It's also, I think it's partially like a survival instinct. Like maybe if I learn about how this happened to this person, I'll know how to defend myself later. And I also think that's why women get so obsessed about it because subconsciously we're interested because we want to know how it happened so we can avoid it ourselves. It's a tool that we can use and like we can take that information and apply it if needed. Yeah, like, I know to avoid drifters. Yeah. <laughs> no matter how handsome they may be, according to several stories we've covered. They're so handsome. They're so handsome and dapper with the. I, I was going to think of a hobo with, like, a stick and, like, the <laughs> handkerchief, but I'm assuming assuming a drifter has, like, a really nice coat. Like, when I think of a drifter, that's what I think of. I don't think of the fawns. I think of hobo with a stick. <laughs> Not the fawns, but just, like... Well, I'm thinking, like, because the fawns didn't have a family. Yeah? He was kind of a drifter, I think. He was, yeah. What other drifter can just hit things and they work? Yeah. That's just magic. I think he he was probably a wizard. 
He's just hitting people at that point. Why isn't this working? <laughs> All right, I like Jesus, to get into Fonz. your stuff. <laughs> really jump the shark on this, Fonz. Thank you for answering that little question. I'm gonna try to um, ask you a little. Keep me on my toes. Question um, at the beginning of oh. each of our episodes. I think that'll be fun for. It helps us get to know each other better, <gasps> and it helps our listeners get to know each other because it's we really, know that's what they want. They just they just like hearing us talk, man. Yeah. That's why we're here. I mean, they press the button, they download the episode, they know what they're getting <laughs> they, into. You literally and not figuratively signed up for this. <laughs> I'm sure there was a terms and service agreement that you did not read. Please subscribe and rate us too. <laughs> like, I'm gonna look at my fucking. What did I agree to? <laughs> Selling my information. We're not doing it. We're not. Doing I don't. It. Even, we don't, don't make any money. <laughs> All righty. Hello, my little true crime beans. Today we're going to travel across the pond and take a dip into the deranged mind of Stephen Griffiths, aka the Crossbow Cannibal. Dun, dun, dun. Across the pond, like across the UK. Pond. Yeah. Ooh. Wow. We are leaving the Northwest. We're, yeah. We're we're taking a little. We're taking a trip. Spice it up. Here. Okay. From 2009 to 2010, a series of female sex worker slangs shook the northern English city of Bradford, West Yorkshire, England. Ooh, y'all's, y'all's areas have just a lot of words in them. What's it called? Um, it's Bradford. Bradford. Bradford, which, which is part of West Yorkshire, England. Okay. It's like the, that's the town. Um, <clears throat> little did these women know when they were booking time with Stephen Griffith's other client that this would be the last appointment that they would ever make. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> this series of graphic deaths would later become known as the Bradford Murders. Um, fu- and I'm gonna be nice and put a little common disclosure here. Full disclosure for this episode, I'm including a trigger warning for the audience that later on in the episode there will be the topic of suicide. This podcast is intended for mature audiences, so please keep that nugget in mind, and I'll pause later if y'all need to jump ahead. Doesn't sit, some things don't sit well with people and I yeah. 100% understand that. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Just, take, you are loved. Take care of you. You're awesome. People love you. Stephen Sean Griffiths was born on December 24th, 1969 in Doonesbury, West, West Riding of Yorkshire. On Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve. He's a terrible His person. birthday's coming up. Oh, God. We're recording this before Christmas. <laughs> We're not going to say the date because it, it could be way ahead of schedule. Could be not. Yeah. Stay tuned. You don't know. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. Anyways, he was born. Sorry. He was definitely born. <laughs> his 61-year-old father had left their family when he was just a young boy, leaving him in Wakefield with his mother, Moira, and two siblings. Stephen was privately educated at the ridiculously overpriced Queen Elizabeth Grammar School. Unfortunately, the grammar school's ethos never resonated with Stephen. One prized mission statement being, <clears throat> insert hoity-toity voice, here at the Queen Elizabeth Grammar School, we aim to develop supportive, responsible, and productive relationships, both within the school and across the community. Yes, yes. Quite, quite. Quite, yes, yes. Moira worked multiple jobs as a single parent in order to afford the £9,000 sterling a year fee for the grammar school. Jesus. She had to be diligent with her money and save everything she could. What year was this again? This, um, well, I can't really, I didn't think I jotted the down that we're using in school, but it's um, almost 12000 a year, US dollar. Okay. For just, like, a little grammar school. Gotcha. <clears throat> Jesus, that's so much money. And as a single parent. Yeah, fuck. Also, fun fact, an alma mater of the Queen Elizabeth Grammar School was John High, the acid bath killer. High was uh, or hey, <laughs> uh, was awarded a scholarship in the early 20th century and was a popular topic of conversation in the school's history, <laughs> furthering Stephen's infatuations with all things murder. Oh, no. So he's like being, it's like, it's surrounding him. It's like when you learn Superman went to your school. Yeah, and they're just like, like I want to be Superman so bad. And- Dissolve people and bath the acid. That's yeah, cool, right. Cool. It's, it's goals. They probably taught him like how to make acid baths, like how to properly construct it. Who knows? Did any alumni come back? <laughs> <laughs> this reunion's really small this year. <laughs> While working to help assist his mother financially and in order to make ends meet, Stephen began stealing. At age seventeen, Stephen attacked a grocery store security guard. The guard initially tried to arrest him for shoplifting. In turn, Stephen sliced the man's throat. Luckily, not a fatal wound, and the guard made a full recovery. Jesus. He was sentenced for three years of prison for the attack. And he was a kid? He's 17. Oh, Jesus. 
Right. He so at seventeen, and then you're just trying to steal. Like, what is that? Like, that's a zero to a hundred moment. Yeah. Like, you probably should have had a. Like what happened before that? Yeah, should have had a fifty percent in there, but you you didn't. You just went straight for it. While serving his sentence in prison, Stevens' preoccupation with murder earned him the diagnosis of a violent psychopath by the prison psychiatrist. Stephen even went as far to confess to the psychiatrist that he wanted to become a serial killer. He elaborated on and on about how his apartment was filled with books about serial killers and collected graphic videos. Seeking that sick attention and violent validation, Stephen had previously expressed his dark desires to an ex-girlfriend, also divulging that he liked to skin rats alive. Oh. <laughs> right? It's like, well, how many signs? I'm like, not hungry anymore. <laughs> Aw. <I don't. laughs> You'll get hungry later. It's He's called the crossbow cannibal. So. <laughs> Despite his newfound diagnosis and open confessionals, he was released from prison right on schedule. Stephen re-entered back into society, living for the most part an uneventful life, spending the majority of his newfound freedom online or making friends with prostitutes. Which sounds silly. <laughs> But while getting to know the girls, they would often talk a lot about a lot of things, but Stephen refused to talk to the girls about his past. Everything was off limits, from early childhood in Doonesbury up until public school, and certainly not the crimes and violence that followed him. I'm gonna That's say, the shit I want to know about. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, if we're going to be friends, like, maybe tell me this. Mm-hmm. Uh, on social media, Stephen developed an outlandish persona portraying himself as Ven Pariah, the misanthrope who brought hate into heaven. <laughs> Oh, dude. This guy? Oh, Like fuck. a totes neck beard? Like, brace yourself. Like, I am... Like, this is my, like, so my space madness. We're good about it. My space madness? Oh, yeah. My space... That's... Kids, that, that was just his, so you know. That's his platform. Before Facebook, there was MySpace. This thing... You had to choose my... your favorite six friends. <laughs> top eight. Top, top eight. eight. Top eight, mm-hmm. yeah. hmm I'm old, so my memory's not what it once was. And you got to have... Um, a piece of music on your page. Oh, glitter. Glitter clippy art. Oh my gosh, so much glitter clippy art. Like, oh yeah, it was good. This actually is me for indicate a dramatic throat clearing. (coughs) (laughs) I can't do Samuel Jackson's voice, but just like, no, obviously there's only one scene I could be referring to. Ezekiel 25, 17. (laughs) The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides. As he quoted the Bible scripture, he channeled the infamous scene from Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction. Did he not watch the end? <laughs> when he's like, I'm gonna leave. <laughs> God. Oh, he gets better. He's a peach. He's a oh, peach. <laughs> oh, he angled his camera low, angled upward, naked from the waist up. Chest puffed out, flash. His latest MySpace profile picture. You can... This picture is on the internet, and oh he is... Um, I need to find it. It's... He's not... Uh, a traditionally attractive man. <laughs> he's not he, traditionally attractive. He's ugly. He, he, has, he has male breasts. A little bit. It's um, a little cuppage. Yeah. yeah, it's a little... He's, a little, he's got a little boobies. Steven's overall pessimistic MySpace bio read... Humanity is not merely a biological condition, but it's also a state of mind. On that basis, I am a pseudo-human being at best, a demon at worst. Wow. I couldn't, like, I was, like, internally screaming when I was just reading all this. Jesus. Like, because I'm like, you sound like the biggest douchebag. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is the picture. Jesus. <laughs> and they're, like, perky. They're perky. Look at his nipple. Oh my gosh. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Je- They're not male breasts. Oh, Jesus. Uh, this is, this photo makes me uncomfortable. They all make me uncomfortable. They, oh my god, what is that? Oh, don't, you're spoiling it. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you saw how gross his hair was. I love how I just took visuals into this audio based <laughs> podcast. What uh, is that? You can what Google them like when yeah, while yeah. you're while you're listening. Open yeah. a new tab. Use it through a third party listening app. Um, <laughs> other profile tidbits included listing himself as an, an athletic agnostic Capricorn. Oh, fucking agnostics! Make up your mind. <laughs> Make up your fucking mind. Also, you're not fucking athletic. No, like athletic is as in like I bowl. <laughs> I putt-putt golf? Um, Excuse me? I'm on a curling team? <laughs> that actually takes some work. It does, 
is, but have you seen, like, the male curling team for U.S.? Oh, no, I They haven't. all have, like, the dad bods. Oh, they, okay. Well, yeah. but that, well he's yeah. from the U.K. So, no, that was legit. That was, English, like, maybe so. he is. And as for Steven's musical taste, his styles range from reggae to hip-hop, house music, favorite groups including Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, and rapper Public Enemy. Oh my god. I'm like, damn, guy. My eyes just cross- went to the back of my head. Because you picture him like, what? you know he thinks he's just being like the hardest motherfucker while listening to Public Enemy. He thinks he's... Or Stone Temple Pilots. <laughs> Such a badass. This song's about me. They wrote this about me. Or like freaking Nirvana. Like, and I love all those bands. Yeah. But, like, you put them together in this package, Mm -hmm. and it's not great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I could have... If you would have given me, like, a list of bands, and I had to guess, like, which ones he's into, those would probably be the ones I picked. Yeah, right? I'd be like, oh, yeah, okay. That one looks like you'd be sad about. And Public Enemy, you said? Yeah. Oh, because he's a gangster. Yeah, because... And also... He knows a lot about Southern California. (laughs) Through the powers of 2009. <laughs> uh, Stephen attended the Bradford University University for a PhD in homicide studies. His thesis was 19th century murder. So like... Is it like an on-hand thesis? Yeah, right? It's like, I'm, you're taking your work home with you? Wow. That's like a thing you can major in? Yeah. Like, um, I feel like that people on in that, those classes should be on a list... They probably, well, I mean, you, I guess you have to sign up, so. That is a list. Are you, it's a voluntary list. No, but it should be, like, a list. That, uh, I'm saying, like, they should connect them. That, yeah. You're like, like, oh, you signed this one? I mean, that's good enough. Like, when you're checking suspects and you're like, oh, this guy's a suspect and he went to this homicide class? You're like, hmm. Yeah, I think he's a suspect. Yeah. You're like, uh, frequents hardware stores and, like, gets, like, <laughs> sketchy shenanigans. We don't know. <laughs> Uh, when not trolling the internet and bumming everybody out, <laughs> <laughs> Stephen was regarded by his neighbors as just, no, as just a harmless oddball, friendly but eccentric, that weird guy down the road. I know too many of those. <laughs> and earlier I had mentioned that he was making friends with prostitutes. Um, it's not weird because he lived in the red light district. Okay, so it wasn't like yeah. he's like hooking up with them and no, like, no, no. let's be friends. He's no, like, he genuinely you're a lives person let's at, be in my block. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. He lived in the Homefield Court um, apartments or flats. He would just, yeah, he would walk around. Um, they call it the grid, was that particular district. Okay. It was just like the slang term for it. So he would, you know, walk around. Walking his pet lizards on a leash. Oh my gosh. Pet lizards? Yeah, it says lizards? lizards. Plural lizards. Like iguanas? I, I, that's, I, I really hope, bummed me out. I, it doesn't mention it. So I hope it's an iguana, because at least I've seen that before. I'm picturing, like, what if it's, like, something really ridiculous with, like, like a swarm or, like, just four little ones? It's like three bearded dragons. Like, how small of a harness? Like, exactly. pipe Do they make harness? <laughs> Just bend your own? Just make your own. I ho- okay, so if it is an iguana, still, oh my gosh, Jesus Christ. But I hope it is, because at least that's somewhat normal-ish. Yeah, yeah like... <laughs> it's on the more cons- normal side. Considering, like, you could have a 15-pound lizard and my dog's, like, 12 pounds. Yeah. So, like, like that weight-wise would make I've, sense. I've seen people walking iguanas. Yeah. Or a iguana. I haven't seen anybody walking multiple like, iguanas. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go talk to some prostitutes. Yeah, yeah. So he had uh, Stephen had no problem actually making small talk with the regular gals, and, but they did give him the nickname of the Lizard Man of Penfold. Like, oh. I would, you know, That's you're like, gonna, you're, you're gonna, you're asking for probably some sort of pushback. It's cool until you put Penfold in there. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> the lizard man of Penfold. I'm like, nah. So British. <laughs> I know. It's wicked British. And he's so exotic because of lizards. Ooh. But then you think of like his appearance. So he was often seen wearing his leather trench coat, sunglasses, regardless of the weather, because he's one of those guys. But it is a UK, so it's always pretty. <laughs> pretty just like bright over Yeah. Pretty. Greasy, long, curly, slicked back hair. Oh, like that picture I just saw. Oh, God. There's a picture of his greasy, long, slick back hair. <laughs> and one of the gals referred to him as an overgrown goth. Yep. That sounds about right. So, I don't know if y'all have ever heard of Portland. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> he would live in Portland. <laughs> he would fit right in. So, if you know any lizard men of Penfold that... I think that's why, like, like the iguana thing is not weird. He's yeah. Like, so, like, well, well, what kind of lizard is it? Like, that was our questioning factor. Yeah. And I, I lived in the Bay Area, too. So, so like... like that's not weird. Yeah, just like, okay. Yeah, okay. 
Yeah, it it makes it just I mean, it just makes me curious to know like what the whole dynamic was. Yeah, that's like how many lizards, what size the lizards. I'm just curious. So he's got his little um, disc man. Oh, I would assume so. And he's, he's so cool. How could he not have his leather that? coat and his slick hair? And he thinks he owns the world. Listening to Nirvana, talking to he's like rape me to his prostitute to friends. His prostitutes. He's like, don't you guys like the song? They're like, yeah, <laughs> that definitely. We're like, not gonna definitely talk about that later. And it's not like <laughs> he was like into this while. Like it was like this is post Kurt Cobain dying. Oh yeah, too, so significantly. <laughs> Oh, I just I couldn't help but like really just dive deep into what he liked because it just it just it was no that's it made me laugh I needed that it just I I couldn't I was eating it up I was like I very rarely talk so much about like the guy and not focus so much on the victims when I'm writing it but I was like fuck I had to get to them no but I'm so engrossed with what this guy's doing that was my I gotta do them justice the same amount of justice that was my issue with the I five killer because like there's so much shit that he did like that was separate from his crimes that was like what the fuck yeah and then the crime so like trying and he did so many so fast it was so hard to like I couldn't concentrate on so I tried that one victim yeah like so but. he what he inevitably would get charged with was only a tam- time frame of a year and a half so okay. like but it's still they only booked him for the three obviously Pulp Fiction being one of Steven's favorite movies other <laughs> it's a good movie but come on as an entertainment piece not, not as, as a, a lifestyle <laughs> choice if anything it should teach you stay away from this lifestyle because all these people's lives are pretty fucked up because yeah. of it <laughs> You're like, i'm just gonna tell y'all right now that ezekiel 2517 is probably not the best movid- no. motivational poster that you should be referring no, to but i kind of want one now <laughs> with his picture like, just <laughs> him <laughs> oh god no <laughs> Give it, like, as a gag gift to someone. One of those flippy sequin pillows. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Uh, Other um, top DVD collections. David Lynch's Eraserhead. Of course. Reservoir Dogs. Of course. Yes. Scarface, playing into the gangster route. Okay, so I'm going to make a guess. Did you like Boondock Saints? Blair Witch Project. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Which we were... uh... He had to have liked Boondock Saints. If he liked all those other ones, he must have liked it. Oh, I'm sure he did. Oh, the Mm -hmm. fucking rope. Um, he did have another favorite pastime, including reading. He focused on professional academic literature. Uh, his interest in books furthered his preoccupation, obviously, for murder. A couple <laughs> books saved onto his Amazon account being Goodbye, Lizzie Borden, The Story of the Trial of America's Most Infamous <laughs> Murderess. And second, just to not gloss over his flair for early history, Patterns of Vengeance, Cross-Cultural Homicide in North American Fur Trade. <laughs> okay. Um, I get it, because they, they fall in line together. Yeah, okay. Um, my, I guess, I'm just kind of like uh, I love technology because we have that information right like we never would have had that without like I'm sorry Amazon is taking all your information they know everything about you they probably are an evil corporation <laughs> the damn two day shipping yeah and look at what we have now yeah. we have this man's shopping history for books yeah which is amazing it's freaking phenomenal <laughs> it'll be it's like this case will always been almost have been 10 years and like think of what technology was then versus now yeah in just 10 years uh steven was so well versed in serial serial killer ideal ideology <laughs> it was no surprise <laughs> that he had a narrowed focus on killers that targeted vulnerable women i.e jack the ripper Steve Wright, a.k.a. the Ipswich Killer, and finally, Stephen's number one idol, and I'm assuming dude crush, Peter Sutcliffe, the Yorkshire Ripper. Oh, okay. So, basically, he liked all serial killers, because almost all of them. Yeah, well, like, with with (laughs) that one prostitute focus. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. But Stephen wanted to be better than his idol, and made it a personal goal to out-kill Sutcliffe's 13 total victims. I mean, it's good to have a goal. Not wrong. You know, you should make your your, uh, short-term and long-term goals. Should. Um, A five-year plan. Make, like, a dream journal, things like that. Yeah, like a, Um, ooh, dream board. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what that's called? Yeah, you should definitely do that. Um, if your dream board consists of um, naked and slaughtered sex workers, then like, maybe we rethink your goals. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Like, maybe sketch it out first and then see if that's something you really want to, like, commit to. If your goals have to do with killing humans. I mean, probably not a good goal. Like, probably don't. I mean, sure, it's obtainable, but at what cost? Yeah. What, you know, 
Just don't, but like weigh your don't. options. Don't. <laughs> There's other things. You can learn how to cook. You can save. You can read more. Save can... to move to a better apartment. Read. Like, yeah, read more. That's a good one. Macrame start a I'm... podcast. Get a podcast. See? Yeah. yeah. See? High five. High five. Yeah. Um, just a little fun fact. A few streets where away from where Stephen's apartment was, uh, Peter Sutcliffe lived there. He even lived a block away. So he's like a stalker. He's like, he's like yeah, he's in. He's a fanboy. He's fanboy fan for fan sure. Hundred oh, percent. Which does that surprise you? Like seeing what no. he looks like now? You're like, oh my Ugh. gosh, this is gross. Oh, this is a gross looking dude. The crossbow cannibal would inevitably been tried for a total of three documented victims: Suzanne Rushworth in 2009, Shelley Armitage April 2010, and Suzanne Blamires in May of 2010. Each victim seemingly vanished off the grid without a trace. On several occasions, he alluded to having killed more women, but has yet to be convicted of additional crimes. The first official victim was 43-year-old Susan Rushworth. She disappeared on June 22, 2009. The mother of three was an epileptic being treated for her ongoing heroin addiction. She was last seen getting off the bus near her flat in Oak Villas, near the red light district. Unfortunately, Susan was never heard from again, and her body never found. While this disappearance was unfortunate, it was not uncommon for streetwalkers to go missing. Police did not invest the proper time or resources on these missing women. Of course not. It's like, oh, they're just, whatever, they're just like, you know, sex workers, it's, they're, they're nameless, you know? Yeah, well, it was the same thing with um, the Green River killer. Yeah, they're like, just they, like, oh, they, so they, what? They ran away. Yeah. Her mother, Christine Thompson, has made many pleas over the years as she just wants to be able to bury her to bury her daughter. And she had gone on to say that they have been talking about like, oh, in the early, like, should we give him the death penalty or not? Should, mm-hmm. You know, during the trial. And they're like, well, they're not going to put him to death because he still has that information. He just doesn't. It's his ace in the hole. He thinks yeah. that if he it's getting the upper hand, basically. Mm-hmm. And but once he, he, if he gets bored, he can be like, well, I'm going to tell you this information now, yeah. so take like, me out. Like, I'm not getting my way right now, and, mm-hmm. like, use it for later. So he just, for some reason, just never will disclose that. Mm. Ten months later, on April 26, 2010, 31-year-old Shelly Armitage went missing. Shelly was a new addition to the grid. Her boyfriend depended on her heavily for money and drugs, fully aware that she was selling her body for sex in order to score. It was because of their unpredictable lifestyle, and it's several days before her boyfriend had even become worried enough to contact detectives that she was missing. He's like, oh yeah, this is regular. That's fine. What a, what a nice guy. Yeah, so thoughtful. Thanks. After several weeks, there was still no sign of Shelly or Susan. At this point, both women had been officially reported missing. Shelly Armitage's best friend, Suzanne Blamiers, was still on the streets, desperately searching for her friends and fellow sex industry sisters. Fuck, this is hard today. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. What happens when two people with speech impediments host a podcast? You can't understand shit. Sister act. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck me. Jesus. Uh, I love you. <laughs> Hold on. Stop laughing. Back to the depressing hey, stuff. Hey, hey, hey. People are dying. Finally, after months without any leads in the case, the police finally caught a break. Peter Gee, the Homefield Court Apartments caretaker, called the police distraught at 1 p.m. Monday 24th, 2010. <laughs> like, I wrote this in italicized and in, like, all caps. But not before selling the rice to his story oh, to the sun. Oh, because not the sun. Why not make a fucking buck? <laughs> While reviewing the weekend's footage from the private security cameras, which was a regular routine for Peter, nothing could have prepared him for what he was about to witness. <sighs> Peter saw a woman fleeing unit number 33 in the early hours of May 22nd. She was being followed by a man who tackled her to the ground before shooting her twice at point-blank range in the back of the head with a crossbow. Uh. The man had dragged her back into the apartment. Jesus. And there's, um, like, I just, I got, like, chili beans just, like, thinking about it. There's part CCTV stills. And, like, there's actual video of him coming back and doing some of this stuff. And it's just, like, this isn't, yeah, like I said, this is almost just only 10 years. Like, we still have cameras. And it's just so fucked up to think that they're out there, like dark web probably, I'm not going to like yeah. super search for it. Is a video of him. Is the actual there. footage. Fuck. Fully aware that he was being filmed, the man approached the camera a second time, looked dead center into the lens, held the crossbow up high, and flipped off the security camera. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually like the biggest like, oh, fuck you, man. It's like, like, yeah. like, that, like that's the delete button too. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, like, oh, wow, wow. The suspect would be filmed a third time this time leaving the apartment with large several trash bags and reusable totes, or carryalls, as y'all call them. 
While it would take some time to identify the victim, when they did, it was none other than Suzanne Blamire's, Shelley's friend, the second victim, and fellow prostitute on the grid. So it's like, okay, now you're homing in on, like, certain people. You're kind of, like, reining in your focus here. Now that the police had established the apartment at the central location for the crimes, they could dive deeper into its residence. It was then that police honed in on Stephen Griffiths. Stephen, by this time, had been living in the Homefield Court apartments for more than 13 years. And his previous jail time and violent history instantly made him a primary suspect. Wow. No Good. shit. <laughs> then he went on his MySpace and said, arrest him! He's a douche! <laughs> All right, let me just go into settings report. <laughs> just he wants multiple lizards? Oh my God. <laughs> flags as inappropriate. <laughs> Peter Mann, head of the Crown's complex casework unit, stated in the newspapers that based on the crime seen before me, I have decided that there is sufficient evidence to charge Stephen Griffiths with murder and that it is in the public's best interest to do so. After viewing Peter's CCTV footage, armed officers descended on the building, pouring up the stairs, returning about 10 minutes later with Stephen in handcuffs. Which is a big deal because most of their patrol cops don't carry guns. Yeah. So it's only like special. It was special occasion and like... (laughs) Get the guns out! And like, cons- party. like consider like what they're basically storming yeah, this, sh- whole this little apartment. It's apartment complex surrounded by prostitutes. Like, well, because they're so like, well, they it's a bad took, area. You took out an unarmed woman with a crossbow. What other weapons yeah. does he have in there? Like, exactly. It's not worth the risk. Oh. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, mere hours before he had deposited what was left of Suzanne's body in the nearby river air. West Yorkshire was not the only police force taking interest in Griffiths. Several other jurisdictions across North England had similar unsolved murder cases on their books and was watching this investigation very closely. Later, during interviews at the Halifax police station, he told detectives, I've killed a lot more than Suzanne. I've killed loads. <laughs> I know. I've killed loads. I've killed of loads. Loads of women. Police announced by that were reviewing the other unsolved murders indicated that he may have killed up to six women. Whew. Before meeting her cruel and premature demise, Suzanne's stable and privileged upbringing was polar opposite to those around her. She was a former equestrian, went to church every Sunday, was an A-level student that was studying to become a nurse in college. All of this took a turn for the worse in 1990, when raves in ecstasy quickly turned into week-long binges on crack and heroin. By 2001, Suzanne had lost everything and was living on the streets. Suzanne was now 36, an alcoholic, and had an out-of-control drug habit. Like many workers on the grid, she was many who had repeatedly battered and raped by gang members. But that was just the way it was, according to fellow acquaintance. Suzanne just slept it off, like a hangover, and went out the next night, covered in bruises. Drugs were the only thing that mattered to her. Suzanne was last seen alive walking along the Sunbridge Road in the early hours of May 22, 2010. After three days without contacting a boyfriend, he finally became worried enough to call Suzanne's mother later that day. The family had became concerned and filed a missing persons report. Now with three sex workers missing, detectives got to work in a series of unfortunate events. As they were searching the DNA database for sex offenders registry, another violent gang rape had struck. This time, robbing and savaging 20-year-old Kirsty on the streets, the daughter of missing mother Susan Russworth. Oh, God. It, it like, so hurts hard. your heart because, like, you're already living in a fuck situation where mm-hmm. your mom's a prostitute and you're a prostitute. Mm-hmm. And then the fact your mom went missing. It's this vicious circle and it's just terrible. Just, like, when I found that, I was like, wow. I just, wow. Did your heart drop? Yeah. And it just dropped, like, just reading it. Ugh. <sighs> Luckily, <laughs> Stephen didn't have a perfect success rate. Rosalind Edmondson got away with her life after getting a bad feeling about him. In 2010, Rosalind was exiting a pharmacy after picking a prescription dose of methadone when Griffiths approached her. He invited the recovering drug addict, so like she was trying to do good, mm-hmm. um, back to his place to do crack cocaine. At first, she impulsively had said yes, but then thought better of it, thinking, okay, no. I'm trying to get better. I'm I, like, I'm like literally picking up my methadone. Like, yeah, I just picked up my prescription. Yeah. It's like I can, I know I'm not going to do it. She thought better of it and followed her instincts and changed her mind. All of this was captured on CCTV footage placed around Stephen's apartment building. She would later testify against him in court. That's one of the stills we saw was him talking to her and I like lost it. I was like, Oh my God. That's Rosalind! (laughs) Stephen Sean Griffiths was arrested in May 2010. When he first appeared in the magistrate's court, Stephen gave his name to the court as he scratched his head and arrogantly declared it as, I am the crossbow cannibal. Oh, God. So self-declared, yeah. own nickname. He's like, look how cool I am. That's why I never had a nickname. Nobody ever gave me one, and I didn't want to give myself one. You're like, I'm not that guy. Stupid. Yeah. Crossbow. 
Yeah. Right? He's like, well, I really like crossbows. And I really like eating people. Like, <laughs> On June 7th, Stephen had his second court appearance at the Crown Court via video link from Wakefield Prison. It was then that the trial date of November 16th, 2010 was set. Through searches of his apartment, the court found that he had possessed disturbing video recordings and images, and there was evidence that Miss Armitage and Miss Rushworth's blood placing him at the scene. Griffiths videotaped himself defiling Miss Armitage's naked body. She had been hogtied with green twine with the words, my sex slave, painted on her back. Aww. He gave constant commentary, repeatedly saying, I am Ven Pariah, I am the bloodbath artist, here is my model who is assisting me. <laughs> This allowed police to establish that Miss Armitage must have died before 1 a.m. on April 28th. The only evidence relating Miss Rushworth, unfortunately, was traces of blood found in her apartment, and they figured, judging by the splatter, it was a hammer impact. Ugh. Um, Judge Mr. Justice Openshaw told the court, The circumstances of these murders are so wicked and monstrous, they leave me no doubt that the defendant should be kept in prison for the rest of his life. Yes. Imposing a whole life tariff, Mr. Justice told the court that Stephen had no mental illness and had expressed no remorse for killing these women. Obviously not if you, like, when someone asks you for your name and you're like, IDK, cannibal killer? Like, oh, no. cannibal I'm crossbow killer, cannibal? Like, East people? On December 21st, 2010, he was convicted of all three murders after pleading guilty and was giving the li- given a life sentence. I'm just going to jump right into the cannibal part. <laughs> and here we go. <laughs> Stephen called himself the crossbow cannibal for a reason. He took pride in eating his victims. Prosecutors revealed that Stephen turned his bathroom into a pseudo-slaughterhouse, dismembering at least two of his victims in there, in the tub. In his third-floor apartment building, Stephen cooked the women on the stovetop. The smell would drift in and out through the complex. Despite the intriguing smell coming from the unit, his neighbors had no idea what was happening inside. Oh, uh, they're like pork? Yeah, like, I've lived in a apartments like a majority of my life like you know when someone's cooking yeah, something yeah, yeah. so it's like you say so like oh someone's cooking something it's fucking people are you kidding me jesus christ like why well crossbow was steven's method of choice samurai swords and knives were easily his top second of course, of course. they were you probably bought them off the fucking, fucking internet okay <laughs> amazon <laughs> that's where we bought them in high school oh yeah we had a whole set of swords because oh. we were stupid high school kids yeah not grown men <laughs> Uh, after bringing up the drug-addled women to his apartment, he would turn on them, slicing them with either the large knife or sword, before finishing off with a crossbow. <laughs> what are so, they, like, what you do with that sword? Ah! Yeah, like... <laughs> you want to see my well, they're, well, they're he's, like, luring them up there with drugs. With drugs so and they're probably, already on drugs, so, so unfortunately they're not in the best shape. And, you know, obviously he's picking so, these women so intentionally. Mm-hmm. When it came to the actual act of dismemberment, Stephen used power tools to do his dirty work. But when it came to Suzanne, victim number three, he took extra time and diligence by dismembering her by hand. Another oh, special, craftsman. yeah. But another special treatment she received that the first two didn't was how he ate her remains, eating the thighs and lower half raw. I'm just, I'm like this, and I like even like type this out. Like this, I found supremely interesting because I want to know why, why her, why out of the possibly six women was Suzanne getting this almost romantic treatment? Was this his last victim? Mm-hmm. Do you think he knew? That, that like, were, his time was up. That they were closing in on him. Possibly. Because, like, if he knew that, like, he was recorded, mm-hmm. he knew it was only a matter of time till they figured it out. That could be. So maybe he wanted to try all the things he had thought of. Yeah, like, like in on well, this. I've always wanted to do this, like. Or, and that's, is that the one who, mother was also? No. No, this is different. This is, yeah, they're, and, like, they're all, like, and, like, they're best friends with each other, and they have the daughter and all this, and it's just. And uh, were these some of the um, sex workers he was friends with? Like, do you think... Like, um, not as friendly, but, like, still well enough. I mean... So you probably knew of their stories. 13 years living in the same place. Like, you know... Walking lizards, I'm pretty sure. Like, you're gonna make some some friends. I mean, you gotta be comfortable if you're walking your lizards around. Yeah, with (laughs) sunglasses and leather jacket. Do they bring little poop bags when they walk their lizards around? I imagine, just like a Tic Tac. It can't be that big of a deal. Little poopy Tic Tac. I've never owned a lizard, so I don't know what their poop's like. That's a good question. Here we go talking about poop again. Yeah. Send us your knows, lizard poop. Yeah, if anybody knows or has had lizards that they actively walk, yeah. um, first How off, does do? Why? Second off, do you clean up after it? Do you, is, house, is it, it's probably very small, I'm sure, I'm but. I'm just worried about squishing them. Yeah. Is it like deer poop? Is yeah. Little dry little nuggets? Just little nuggets, probably. Because hmm. they're not eating, I mean, crickets are protein. It's just yeah. dry protein. Okay. Hmm. 
right. I think we just came to that conclusion. We just talked it out. We, we just talked it out. We might be wrong. Please let us know if we're wrong. <laughs> we're probably wrong. 10 out of 10. Usually we are. And we're okay with that. 81 different pieces of Suzanne's body would ultimately be found in and around the river. A broken knife and crossbow bolt were embedded into her severed head. Jesus. Also, that was different. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, he, there was more to her left. Yeah. Um, when asked why he ate the bodies of his victims, he simply told the officers, that's part of the magic. I also <laughs> fully aware this is oh. audio. You know when you, like, flip your hands across each other really fast? You're like, yeah, magic. yeah, magic. I just did that. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking he about. He would do mm-hmm. that, like, I feel like he'd do that in court, like, no, bro, it's magic. Well, it's blah, blah, part of the magic. Yeah. Or, like, he'd use, like, jazz hands. The magic. Yeah, oh, there you go. Ugh, I just want to beat him up. He's like, is this your card, judge? Like, that's a pencil. (laughs) Is this your sentence? Da-da-da! His second victim, Shelley Armitage, only the shoulders, vertebrae, and connective tissue were found, the rest having been cannibalized. Sadly, Stephen's first victim, Susie Rushworth's body, was never, ever, ever recovered. Like, and I get it, wanting to have that closure, at least, like... At least they found parts of the other girls. Like, I don't they, even have a part. They know. You like, won't tell me where the parts are? There's always that, like, that that little hint of hope that yeah. maybe she did run away. Or maybe she'll come back after years and years. Yeah. Or, and then, if, if not, then I just want to put her to rest. I, we yeah. need closure. It's a closure thing, yeah. The women of the grid were actually kind of dumbfounded about this whole situation. One prostitute had known Stephen for years, later stated in absolute awe that she could not believe this was the same man. Well, believe it. (laughs) (laughs) He was like a brother to me. He fed me, washed my clothes, and took me in when there was nowhere else to go. Why did he feed her? (gasps) Also, like, what if he was just, like, laying that groundwork? A far cry, she'd said, from the crossbow cannibal depicted in the news. Another gal commented... Well, honestly, we thought he was kind of a numpty, which means, like, slow or dumb. (laughs) Adding in, quite a lot of girls took advantage of him. Several did rob him, uh, even though he was just trying to, like, offer to score drugs and shit for him. But now that I'm thinking about it, that's more groundwork. Yeah. This is just 13 years of groundwork. Yeah, he's just like, oh, look how I'm unassuming. Yeah, look how I've assimilated into this culture. It makes you not want to trust anyone. Especially neckbeards. Oh, oh! here's the, um, that lovely little fun part I talked about earlier. Trigger warning, suicide's coming up. <clears throat> well, it's not going to be very long, but we'll let you know when it's over. While incarcerated, Bivis would be placed on a constant suicide watch following several attempts to take his own life. One time, he was found unconscious in his segregation cell in the prison with a sock tied around his neck. Other times, he was found slashing his wrists. I don't see how the sock method would work. Like, how do you think you don't? It doesn't work. I mean, if he how big's the sock? If he doesn't have anything else, maybe yeah. like tying two socks together. And... Probably didn't get socks after this. <laughs> and it's England. It's cold. You <laughs> needed those. Now you're just wearing Crocs with nothing. In 2011, he went on a two-month-long hunger strike. During this time, he was detained in a Category A healthcare center in the Wakefield Jail. Uh, category A is. Um, that posed the most threat to the public, national security, if Maximum they escaped. security. Yeah. So do you think he was doing these things out of attention or because he actually thought... I think it's all a play. Yeah. Because also, I mean, he openly admitted to it. He didn't show regret. And maybe he, maybe if he did show regret later, he has nobody to blame for him but himself for being in yeah. jail. Like, I could see the depression of being in jail. Wanting, like, taking like, over, you but... literally put yourself there. You could have even drawn out your trial and not... Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is all on you. Yep. Um, His hunger strike wasn't in protest or anything of the sort. It was just another one of Stephen's means of a... I'm going to put quote-unquote suicide attempt for that one. Because I want to. It's part of the magic. Although he was not accepting food, he was drinking fluids. He was even given an occasional tea bag. Officers had to remain vigilant (laughs) of what they gave Stephen, though, because learning from previous experience, he will choke himself on a plastic bag. So, So when you say they gave him a tea bag, you mean... They gave him a bag in with which, tea in it, with not tea leaves. They crouched over him. And placed their testicles upon their him? Testicles on his face. I mean, I don't know. It. I wasn't there. Mm. Let's just say yes. They did that. <laughs> and they're like, well, we can't give you an actual tea bag. Because you'll, you'll choke, choke on, on it. it. Choke, choke on, on this. Motherfucker. <laughs> 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 Uh, and like parentheses, I was like, a picture of like having a baby or a puppy just forever going, ah, 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 what's in your mouth? <laughs> and he's like, what? What? 
Oh, Mo looked up like, I was napping. I didn't, I don't have anything. The jail paid no attention to Stephen's actions, having said that they'll monitor the physical and mental health of prisoners who refuse food, but cannot force feed those who are considered mentally capable. They're like, we don't fucking care. Yeah. And he was taking fluids. There's no concern for health at the state. Yeah, like, no, he's fine. He doesn't yeah, want to actually do it. He, he just wants, wants attention. attention. Yeah. So that's literally, they're like, don't coddle him. <laughs> Don't, don't react. Yeah. Yeah. It's a self-soothe. Self-soothe. Yeah, it's when, like, when a kid falls, you're not supposed to go, <gasps> you're supposed to go, you're fine. Yeah, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's all good. A one prisoner remarked about a cell block mate. Griffiths is just skin and bones. He doesn't look anywhere near as big as he did in his bare-chested MySpace picture. Oh, no, he ain't got no titties? <laughs> he ain't got no titties no more. Do you think no it's more. just, like, oh, saggy? Like a little, like, dried-out husk. <laughs> I'm afraid to lose weight. <laughs> Can't, can't go back from this. <laughs> Jesus, we got a lot here. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep these on deck. Stephen did become a total shut-in, though, attempting to close himself off from all the other inmates and staff. Guard said, one or two people have tried talking to him, but he just doesn't care. He's a difficult prisoner in that he has no interest in interacting with anyone or anything. He just spends his time in his own little world, just laying in his bed. Occasionally, he'll come out to the association room of the healthcare wing, but he just sits there, doesn't talk to anybody. If anybody approaches him, he just tells them to go away. He's like, I used to be the lizard king. <laughs> he had no visitors, even though his legal and even his legal team only held consultations by video link. Like they don't even go there. They're like, Fuck. Got this. It's not worth the drive. It's not worth the drive. For me, like it just it's one more thing that just like added to his thing. Like, uh, it's not a self it's just another self destruction tactic. Yeah. Like he's not he didn't succeed like quote unquote killing himself, like mm-hmm. by putting his finger in a light socket <laughs> or some stupid shit. And he's like, Well, okay, so I'll kill myself mentally and emotionally by not talking to anybody. Like, that kind of shit. Like, hashtag cheer up emo kid? A little dramatic. Just a little bit. He's being a little dramatic. I mean, you're in jail. Make the most of it. Yeah. Is he upset because he's not, like, the worst person there or something? Probably. He's like, well, he didn't reach my goals. He didn't even give me credit for the other three. I won't tell the lady where her body is. Like, just her rumping about it. Her rump. So up until, so this is around, what, like 2011? Okay. And he's just living out a sentence at this point. Like, it's 2019 now. Um, Nothing eventful up until this year. (gasps) Because people have lost interest. He become just old news, but he made headlines this year. The Sun reporting, Monster Dodges Death. Crossbow cannibal cheats death after fellow fellow lag tried to plunge a spear into the triple killer's heart. What? <laughs> yeah. Got slang though for the, okay, from so, the sun. So a lag, I'm guessing, is a fellow prisoner. Yeah. A plunged spear. a spear into the triple killer's heart. I'm picturing a Viking spear. I'm sure it's just it's a, a steak. shiv. It's a steak. A steak? Yeah. Like a piece steak. of a piece of an old um, chair or something. Like yeah, like just a fragmented piece. So you like buffied him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but like yeah, yeah. probably, yeah, probably same size. A shiv. Yeah. Uh, he cheated death in a prison cell attack when a fellow inmate had tried plunging a steak through his chest. Prison warden, wardens at HM Prison Long Larton in Worcestershire. Dang. Worcestershire? Worcestershire. <laughs> Worcestershire. 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 <laughs> Rushed to Stephen's aid on February, Friday after hearing the 49-year-old crying out in pain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like I'm crying. It hurts. Uh, I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> Break my vow of silence. Oh, fucking Christ. The attacker was restrained and he was rushed to the hospital. The other inmate <laughs> took the sharpened piece of wood and had drove it in as hard as he could. He returned. Stephen was returned to the prison later the same day and the matter had been referred to the police, but with the attacker being just placed in isolation. <laughs> like they literally didn't Sorry, even do anything no. about like, it. Yeah, he's fine. So uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's just all he is. He's... It's kind of weird, because all my other cases, like, they're all dead, so you kind of yeah. know where it ends, but... Yeah. If he's 49, like... He's still... He's got time he's left. still kicking and whining. He could be a two-parter. We don't know. Ooh. Ooh. Updates. Oh, oh I hope not. Oh. Well... I'd say, is he in the future, but I don't have 2020 vision. Oh! Oh, shit! Happy New Year! Predicting it next year. Steven's gonna have a comeback album. Well, when people hear this, it'll be... 
<gasps> what if he hears it? We're talking to you, future. <laughs> Hi, future. Look out for this motherfucker <laughs> and others like him. Yeah, if he's walking a lizard, maybe, like, take your time with that situation. If you have a friend who acts like this. Maybe check in on them. Take a minute and say, hey, I love you. <laughs> yeah, I... Okay? <laughs> You thinking about uh, murdering people or no? do you do we like and, and it doesn't sound like he's secretive about his no, like, whole he's very like, blatant about it murder obsession so it's like it's not like the flags weren't there yeah it's just like damn guy oh yeah. also what was that's another fun fact in there I just remembered um he even with his uh, Peter Sutcliffe obsession he even hired the same team of lawyers like the same firm huh. that represented to him. him yeah even though he didn't, wait, did he plead guilty? He did it, like, after. Gotcha. Like, he's like, yeah, okay, yeah, you did it. So they're like, oh, God fucking damn it. We, we went through, yeah, we went through <laughs> the whole thing. He's still getting paid. I'm sure he was, like, proud to pay him for just having that honor, the honor. to be jerk-off hand motion, you yeah. know, into the sky. <laughs> into the sky. Into the sky. All right, well... Woo! Thank you so much for listening to our wonderful voices for another episode. You guys are peaches. <laughs> Not that kind of peach, though. He was a peach. You said he was a peach. Don't compare it's listeners a, to him. I really like the terminology of peach. Okay, it, you are a better peach. <laughs> be the be your best peach be your you best can peach. be. Oh, be your best peach. Ugh. He bruises easily, though. <laughs> if you like what you heard, please rate and review us. It helps others discover... Us and helps our frail egos. <laughs> Please yes. send me a like. Share your random axe thoughts with us by shooting us an email with any questions or comments or even story ideas at sisteraxepodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at sister underscore axe, on Instagram and Facebook at sisteraxepodcast. And thank you for listening. Um, Rose signing off. Don't forget to spay and neuter your psychopaths. Uh, I don't have a cute catchphrase, but I also learned that get him to the Greek and forgetting Sarah Marshall are in the same universe. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>